welcome to the Assembling Inclusion podcast. On this show, we feature different programs, individuals, and initiatives focused on being more inclusive of individual needs. We invite you to learn right alongside us. If you want some additional resources or access to our courses, please visit our website or follow us on social media. But for right now, let's get right to the episode. Today, we're addressing one of my favorite topics, assistive technology. Assistive technology is any device, product, item, or piece of equipment that enables a person to live more independently and increase their participation in daily aspects of life. While I tend to come at assistive technology from the pre-K through 12 perspective, these devices and tools are not limited to those who are in school. In fact, according to a recent report by the World Health Organization, there are more than 2.5 billion people globally who need access to assistive technology, and that number is expected to grow substantially by the year 2050. The problem is the vast amount of assistive technology available. It's incredibly difficult for a person in need of assistive technology or a person making technology-based recommendations to stay on top of current trends and tools because the market is just so large. Enter easily. Easily is a platform that helps individuals, caregivers, or those making AT recommendations sort through the different assistive technology tools available. We talked to founder Rebecca Scott about the platform and how it can help provide guidance within the AT world. So let's dive right in to learn more about Easily and the impact it has on making assistive technology decisions. Welcome back to the Assembling Inclusion podcast. We're here today with Rebecca Scott from Easily, a platform that makes it easier for people to find information about different assistive technology tools. So Rebecca, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's exciting to chat to you. Before we dive into what Easily actually does and what it is, I wanted to know what was the inspiration for actually starting easily. I'm assuming there's probably some type of challenge that you saw and you determined there was a need for this type of platform, but what was that inspiration for you? So my background is as an occupational therapist. And so I had spent a lot of my career prescribing all different types of assistive technology to help people to do things independently at home. But I actually had a young family member who became unwell quite unexpectedly and required lots of different types of technology to help him to do different things. And one of the frustrations at that time was that he was a really young guy. He wanted to go out to the pub with his mates. And a lot of the technology was really ugly and it was really fit for purpose. Like it solved a problem, but I I say it wasn't fit for public. So seeing him go through that, I guess, changed my perspective as a clinician. And I started really looking into particularly the new and emerging technology that's out there that is actually really cool and how people could actually find it and be aware of it because that seems to be part of the problem, especially for time-poor clinicians who, you know, they really want to prescribe the best thing to help their clients, but staying on top of all this amazing technology that's hitting the market is really hard. So that's kind of where we started. We started looking at different ways of sharing better information around the technology and that led us to start wondering why when we spend time buying things for every aspect of our life, we rely on people like us to share their experiences, to help us um, make good decisions and also not to make really bad decisions. But when it comes to assistive technology, those shared experiences really don't exist. So you can't really go out there and get a lot of great information. Even if you're buying a $25,000 wheelchair, some of these things are really expensive, big purchases. So you want to make sure that you're making the right choice. That's kind of how we started and it's just evolved from there. And that's a really important 
issue. You're right. Like if I'm going to go buy an appliance for my house, I'm going to go look at the reviews online and see other people's experiences before I make a decision. So it's amazing that, especially with assistive tech, because usually that is such an expensive purchase, depending on what equipment you're buying. I can see the value in getting and curating those shared experiences. So people have somewhere to go and to turn to. I was a teacher and I would recommend different accessibility tools. And those aren't obviously as big of purchases as, you know, a wheelchair or some type of physical equipment, but still there wasn't a lot of reviews on like, well, what do students actually think about this? What do they feel comfortable using in the classroom? Do they not? So that's great that you, you built a platform where people can go and find out information that they need before they make those decisions. And then I think there's also that disconnect between perspectives as well in terms of what a health professional might think is a really amazing tool or a teacher or the person in the position where they're helping someone to make that choice. But how good are we actually at asking the user, what do you think of this? Do you actually like this? Is this something that you would choose to use or are you only doing this because I'm giving you that advice? For me, it's really important that we have both of those perspectives, that we get lots of users able to share their experiences and then also have that health professional kind of input to say, well, you know, actually this isn't, isn't solving the challenge we set out for. And for manufacturers, that's a really important feedback loop that doesn't really exist either. That's true. So there's a lot of different perspectives that can come together within the platform. So what type of assistive tech is typically reviewed? I know there's such a wide span of assistive technology, but are there specific categories or areas that you focus on on the website? So when we first started out, it was challenging, as you said, you know, there's so much assistive tech. So where do you begin? It's not like we can cover thousands and thousands of products. So at the moment, we're looking at reinventing our website, actually, and how people go about searching for technology. So there'll be ways that you can search via conditions. Perhaps you're someone who's had a brain injury or a stroke, or perhaps you're a young person with cerebral palsy, and you'll be able to kind of look at categories based on those challenges. And then you'll also be able to search by the activity that you want to be able to do. So perhaps you are someone who has limb loss and you want to get back to learning how to surf. You'll be able to search in that way as well. We're doing some pilot programs at the moment that are going to look specifically at brain injury and spinal cord injury and the new technology that's coming out in that space. And then we'll sort of build out from there. So we're really trying to focus on that new and emerging tech space that people really don't know about just because there's so many new opportunities to use that. But one of the challenges that manufacturers really have is getting it in front of the people that need it. So unless you go down the Google rabbit hole of trying to find an answer, sometimes that's a never-ending pit of despair where you can just spend hours and hours searching for solutions and then you might find something and it's amazing, but it's on the other side of the world. You know, we just really want to close some of those geographic divides as well so that if there's something working for someone on the other side of the world, you should be able to learn about how it's being used and see if it's going to work for you as well. That's a good point. I've been down the rabbit hole of Google, mostly just for research purposes, and I'll find different emerging AT that comes up and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And it's across the world in another location. It's got to be a challenge if you want to try it out or call the company. So it's nice that you're curating that. And also the the fact that you're going to start grouping by challenge, because from a health professional perspective, you kind of know what types of tools to look for. But if somebody is unsure or unaware, at least that gives them a little bit of a guideline to go off of like, this is the challenge I'm experiencing. These are the type of tools I can look at. If you're searching, like if you already knew the product that you were looking for, you'd know to search for it. It's about making that process easier. And then the other thing that we're trying to do, which will be new on the new platform is perhaps you're someone who 
you have a general question, but you don't really know the product you're looking for, or you don't know how to break down that challenge you're solving. So we're going to have like special interest group, almost forum discussion groups. So, you know, perhaps you're really into accessible gaming and you want to learn from other people in that space. There'll be a space where you can just ask open-ended questions of people who are interested in that same thing to learn from each other. And also to share, you know, free resources. If you've come across something amazing that other people would really benefit from, you can upload that or share that as well. I find one of the challenges as a health professional as well is there's a lot of really, you know, great forums to do that online, whether it's a Facebook group or a group within a particular organization. But a lot of that information then gets lost. Someone asks the question, there's some really great information. And then two days later, someone else asks the same question because it's so hard to actually hold that information and pass it on to the next person. We're really trying to think about all the different ways that people are looking for assistive tech and then how we can kind of open up those channels and really save that wealth of knowledge and pay it forward. So often, especially in like Facebook groups or in even Twitter posts and things like that, like the same questions are asked over and over because it's so hard to track and find and searching through those platforms is challenging. And then if the words aren't exact, you can't find the question that you were looking for. So I like that you're going to talk to the community and pull those community experiences, then also find a curation way for people to review those resources over and over again, which is nice. Yeah, and I think ultimately sitting underneath all of that is if we can get people sharing their experiences, then there's a whole lot we can do with that. Obviously, the word of the moment is AI, but wouldn't it be amazing if we could use machine learning after we've got all this great shared knowledge to then be able to help users really quickly narrow down their choices and to help professionals who have no time anyway to really quickly be able to say, you know, I'm working with a gentleman who has this particular challenge and has these parameters and wants to travel the world or wants to do something as simple as eat breakfast independently. What are the best new tech available that can help us to do that based on this person and this circumstance? And if that could then draw on the global experiences of other people and give you the best three options straight away, that would be amazing. And there's also not a lot of evidence behind a lot of assistive technology. You know, we know they're amazing products and we know they do amazing things, but when it comes to the actual efficacy and how much these products are actually impacting on people's lives, that data isn't really gathered. So if we can get user experiences as well to share what they love and what they hate and what would be, you know, better for design for the future, hopefully that can have a follow-on effect for the industry. And that's a good point because that was my research area when I was doing my doctorate was assistive tech and accessibility features. And like, yeah, there's so many like, this is best practices for this using this AT, but I'm like, is it working? Is it effective? They're very small scale studies with three people. And that's not telling me that it's actually going to be effective. So having those experiences curated while not a full scale study would at least show evidence of, yes, this product is going to work for this reason. Going off of that, so if somebody, whether it's a health professional or a user of the AT wanted to leave a review, how does that work? Do they have to create an account and then review it? Does it look kind of similar to if you would review a a product on Amazon or things like that? What does that process look like? In essence, it's similar to anyone writing a review for anything else. The only difference is that they are curated questions. If you go shopping and you buy a pair of shoes and someone just writes, these are great, they're comfortable, they look (laughs) ace with my dress. That's kind of a little too general. We want to try and get a little more context to the situation because we know obviously that everyone out there who's using assistive technology has very unique circumstances and everyone's really different. So we really want to capture 
I guess, the essence of that experience so that when others are reading and learning from it, there's some context. So there'll be slightly different questions for a user compared to a health professional, but really we're trying to understand who's using it and what problem were they trying to solve by using it, what worked, what didn't work, and then some user satisfaction kind of quick rating system, which is a little different to what's currently on our website. But it will be along the lines of some of those typical things that you might answer around comfort or the support that you receive in learning to use the tech or the follow-up. But there'll also be some questions around quality of life and how much this particular piece of technology impacted or enabled you to do what you wanted to do. Some of the challenges with the disability space and writing reviews is, you know, protecting people's information and making sure that they're sharing what they want to be able to share and also for health professionals to be able to share without worrying that their experience is construed as advice, you know, because obviously what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for others. So you will need to log in and create a profile for health professionals. There'll be an option to share their review privately only for other health professionals or for public view, just so that if they're sharing sort of some more clinically sensitive information or for legal reasons, then they might like to only share to from a clinical perspective. I guess we're trying to take a lot of those things into account from what we've learned over the past year. That's really important. I like that there's the option for private for the healthcare. So even just having like more medical health-based jargon in your review versus a user experience that might be more like, this is my day-to-day, this is what it looks like. I like that, that there's an option for the separation. I mean, I do it sometimes too. I look at the jargon and I'm like, ah, it's all medical stuff. That's not my area of expertise, but that's nice that you can kind of separate. Even sometimes for a carer or for a teacher, you know, if you you obviously can share your experience anonymously as well. But if you're sharing something and you're sharing something about a, a student's experience, and even though you're being general, maybe there's something in there that's a little bit more revealing that maybe can be chased back to the person that you're working with. And so it's just about trying to help people to share comfortably as little or as much as they want to really yeah, give some context. And at the end of the day, I also think it's really important for manufacturers to be able to and really understand who's using their technology because sometimes they create these amazing products again with amazing potential and they might have a particular target customer in mind but if we knew okay actually there's a whole lot of people who are under the age of 25 who are using this product for really different things than you you thought then that's really valuable for them moving forward in the future design and development of their product too. And I'm not sure about you as a teacher, but as a health professional, there's never a whole lot of conversation from manufacturers around, oh, what did you think of this? Is this working in your classroom? Is this working at home? Or is this working at the pool where someone needs to use it? So the more that we can foster that feedback loop, hopefully only good things can come from that. Yeah, there is kind of a disconnect even in the educational space between vendor and product. I mean, yes, most products I feel like have the troubleshoot option, at least like, okay, you're having this issue. Here's how to troubleshoot it. But that feedback loop is nice. I mean, I taught middle school and I say it a lot on this show that like my middle schoolers were opinionated. And so they would flat out say like, this feature really sucks and I don't like it. That's where you need that loop because my students would just go in and say that. And I wish that the company would know that so they could make the changes because I mean, if your target demographic is middle school and these middle schoolers are telling you they don't like it (laughs) for this reason. Yeah. And they have no filter, right? It might be that they all really just want it to be pink and it's a simple change. (laughs) But yeah, there just isn't really that process. And I often wonder why that is when it comes to assistive technology. Is it that people feel like everybody is so different? So how can we compare? 
And I think that maybe is a bit of a challenge, but also it's really important to hold manufacturers in this space to account in some ways to celebrate the amazing products and the amazing opportunities that there are, but also to give that feedback to, to products that people are trying and spending their money on and it's not working. And globally, there's I think it's around $30 billion of money that is being spent by users on assistive tech. The figures on what's prescribed and what actually is being used is around like, you know, up to 60% of that is under the bed and not being used. Like that's $20 billion a year of just wasted opportunity. So I think there's a lot of room on all sides of the equation to do things better. So we're just hoping to kind of sit in a small space in that and foster any kind of change that we can to help all those three parties. Well, hopefully it would open up a conversation. And sometimes that's just this good starting point, isn't it? You know, to get people talking and going, okay, well, can we do this better? Is this going to work? And I'm sure, you know, along the way over the course of the next couple of years as well, there'll be a whole lot that we change as we learn from the community as well. It's, an, it's a constantly changing space. So having that community in general, regardless of what changes go through, at least there's a space to communicate and discuss. I was on the website and I don't know, I know your website is up being updated, but I know your rating system used, there was, there's penguin icons, right? <laughs> yeah. It was, I love penguins. So I was like, that's so cute. But I know there was a reason behind it. So can you talk about like the representation within those product scores? Because it's nice that like you, you have that full scale review of the experience, but then you also have that quick image icon that can show you at a glance. When we first started out, we were thinking about, obviously when it comes to disability, historically, when you go to a, whether it's a hospital website or assistive technology website, everything feels kind of ugly and unfriendly and medical. And, you know, a lot of these products, particularly now, they don't feel like that. So we're like, how do we have a little bit of fun with the rating system? How do we keep it friendly? (laughs) Because, you know, for some, the idea of having a rating system against technology is off-putting or scary. And because everyone has different circumstances, again, how do we compare? The penguins themselves were, I love penguins too. So, but, you know, when we started thinking about what really represents the adaptive community, I ended up thinking about penguins because they lost their ability to fly such a long time ago and they managed to adapt and underwater they can fly like nothing. So that really made me think about the the creativity and the adaptability of all people living with a disability and the way that regardless of whatever challenge people are going through, people find a way of doing things remarkably in all sorts of different ways and there's no one way to do anything. So I loved that the penguin really represented you know, you think of a bird and you think that it flies in the sky, but penguins are the most amazing creatures underwater and have used, I guess, every type of evolution and thing that they can to make themselves adaptable. So I just, I love that representation. And when it comes to the actual scoring and the reviews, we wanted to really think about how do we create a review system that's not obviously focused on the negative, but is focused on the potential for products to improve as well. So if you look at our ratings, yes, we do celebrate products that lots of people obviously think are really fantastic, but we also try and be accountable and say, well, okay, there's a reason why people are actually not happy with this and that that's useful feedback as well. We've also got an egg on the website with the penguins, which is around prototypes because there's a lot of amazing products coming out that haven't hatched yet. (laughs) So we still want to be able to share 
the the opportunities and the possibilities that those products represent and also be an avenue for those startups and makers in the space to access the community and say, hey, this is what we're building. What do you think? Give us some feedback. Do you want to be first in line to try us out? And yeah, I guess using that opportunity as well to say, well, there's a lot of new things that we don't know about and let's help them to get off the ground rather than just wait for them to fully exist and then we don't like them. So in answer to your question, we did like the penguins and (laughs) it was just about celebrating something that was very adaptable and using that to create a little bit of fun and playfulness with the site as well. When it comes to the new rating system, we'll actually have a division between user experience and clinician experience. So we will have two different scores because I think those experiences can be quite different. I I always come back to something like Rotten Tomatoes that everybody knows about when it comes to movies or TV shows and the the difference between, you know, critics review and a a personal watching review. And sometimes they're really, really different. So... I guess we're we're going to trial that and just see what comes out from separating those two things out. Are they really different or are they are they the same? I like that separation. And I appreciate the metaphor with the penguins, especially the egg prototype one. I think that was something that when I saw it on your website, that stood out to me. That's great for those companies just getting off the ground. Like you said, you don't want them to start and put a lot of work into it and then be like, well, this is terrible. And you had a good idea and it didn't work. So it's nice that it's acknowledged that this is not a reviewed product. This is a product that is starting, but like you can review and give your experiences so they can improve. I wanted to ask about that. You also have a section dedicated to makers too, right? Like people who are building prototypes. Is that something that's going to continue on the website or is that with with the new rollover? So I think there's a couple of things when it comes to the manufacturers of assistive tech and really all they want to do is, you know, get their product out to the people who need it. So we're kind of looking at how do we help you get introduced? How do we help you to get to know the people who need you? So the new site and the existing one, there'll be an opportunity for AT manufacturers to share their product like as a feature. And we're also wanting to work with them around, okay, what type of information is really important to help users and health professionals or teachers or other people that are using assistive technology to make that decision quickly. Because at the moment, it might be that you go to Google and you find a supplier and you go off to there and you read some brief information, but is it really answering your questions? And then how much more work do you need to do to get what you need? So when it comes to a health professional perspective, sometimes it's just as important for a manufacturer to share information about who their product isn't for as well as who it is for. And, you know, when you're a retailer or a seller, you're doing the sales pitch, right? So it's all about what works and and what sells. But underneath that, it's really important to know some of those precautions for a product or who it might not be appropriate for, as well as, you know, dimensions and sizes and who it's designed for and what problems it's solving. We think it'd be really amazing to have manufacturers make how-to videos for the people using it and prescribing it. So, If you're a teacher and you want to know how to use something in class, maybe there's a video from the maker that says, hey, have you thought about using it in this way? Because there's often lots of YouTube videos of users using a product. But when you're the person who's trying to introduce it in a different environment or to prescribe it to someone at home, you know, what are the things that help you to understand more about it? What are the measurements you need to do before you get that product? Or where can you trial it? Can you hire it first? All of those things that maybe on a quick glance on a database or a marketplace you don't get so 
I guess our maker portal is more about helping manufacturers share the right information and also to do it in a nice way that celebrates their technology rather than, you know, a quick picture and a brief description that doesn't often get people anywhere. Yeah, that's a good point. It really gives them a chance to kind of showcase how they intended the products to be used. I see a lot of prototypes come through just because I have a Google alert set for any time inclusion and accessibility is mentioned online. So I do get a lot of kings for startups. And it's hard if you don't have like that type of alert set and you're not going to dig. So it's nice that you, they have that space then to kind of showcase what their intention was and who the product is intended to be for. And it's, it's good for the user then too, because then they know, okay, maybe I'm not the target user. So maybe there are things might not work the way I want them to, but then I can explain like this is potentially a new demographic they could go into at some point in time. So there's a lot of room for expansion within there, which is really nice. I think one of the most remarkable things as well about the adaptive community in general is people modify things. People use things in different ways and they use things to solve challenges in different ways. So if we can capture those tips and hacks from people you know, that are are solving problems every day at home that maybe isn't on the manufacturer label. I think that power of community is really important. So I'm really hoping that with our review structure and with the way that we're going to work with manufacturers, that that kind of information can be paid forward as well. So it's not just something that only one family knows. It can be something that that family uses to support another family. Yeah, that would be great. I see that a lot just because, I mean, there's so little funding for things within the education space in general. So there's a lot of, I feel like those hacks, like, oh, you can use this and use it for this. A lot of times I'll talk to vendors, like I never thought about using it that way. I'm like, well, that's how the students are using it because it works for them. So it's great that that's something that can happen and that will be shared and celebrated too, so that more people can learn from it. And I can imagine in the classroom, you know, there's those moments where you have a really big win, right? Yeah. And you try something with perhaps a little person that's really been struggling with a particular task. And then you go, oh, maybe if we did it that way. And then you have this amazing win and success. And then wouldn't it be amazing if everybody else could learn from that? And likewise, you know, if you're having an epic failure and everything's gone gone terribly, like that challenge and that failure is also just as useful because the next person that comes along and, you know, tries to do that can already learn, oh, well, maybe that's not the best way to do things. I can learn from that experience. experience Instead of having to go through it themselves. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, you know, great teaching moment. Um, I also work in education with our, you know, up and coming OT students and, We're always saying to them, like, every opportunity that you get to learn from each other is the best thing. And we do it casually over the the old water cooler conversation. But how do we capture those learnings and make it easy for people to not reinvent the wheel, to just kind of not follow the path that's already been taken, but to make it better the next time? I think that's good advice. (laughs) So I know there's a lot of I'm sure successes that have gone into easily. And obviously you're continuing to build out the platform and redo the website, but what have been some of your biggest successes that you feel have come out of easily so far? I think it's just the generosity and the support of the community. I think timing, often when it comes to startups and new adventures, timing is really important. And I think that Globally, we're in this really lovely space, or particularly in Australia and the developed world. The developing world is another question and another long conversation around accessibility to AT. But certainly in Australia and the US and Europe, 
there's a new renewed energy around assistive technology and the opportunities. And I think we're really seeing, you know, big tech companies and companies in all different domains that are really paying attention to this huge community of people that can really benefit from their products. And we're seeing a lot of products that are not just designed for the disability community. They're just really smart, beautiful products that have the benefit of supporting all types of people to do things more easily. The world is getting older and so many more people are wanting to stay independent at home. So we're all going to need some type of assistive technology in our lives. And so I think that timing has really been a lovely thing for us because everybody wants to talk about it. Everybody is really open to how can we do this better? Organisations and governments and health services are really starting to understand assistive technology has these amazing benefits to helping people participate at school, to play with their friends, to connect with their families, to do all sorts of social and really productive activities. There's a lot of interest in what we're doing to help people adopt these new technologies and actually get them where they need to be. And just I'm constantly humbled by how generous people are with their time and their enthusiasm and volunteering and wanting to get engaged with us. So I think you know, regardless of where this ends up, to me, that's a really big success is just engaging that community and trying to make even a small change in that space. Even just building that community, even just building that space for them to have that conversation is a, is a large win within itself. But I, I really do appreciate the fact that it's such an intersecting branch between the user and the healthcare professionals and the companies, which needs to happen to get assistive technology or even just technology in general built successfully and with accessibility in mind. So it's a huge success. I know we had talked about the website and how the website is being relaunched and kind of revamped a little bit, but is there anything else in terms of expansion and growth that you have on the horizon for easily? I think that for us, again, probably our biggest challenge has been the size of the AT market. So knowing where to start and staying focused on the problem and challenges that we're trying to solve and that we can't be everything all at once. So I think there's a a huge amount of opportunities in different areas of assistive technology. And I also think that it's really transferable to other areas as well. When I speak to even GPs or I speak to hospitals, you know, about the tech that they're using on the ground and there's really nothing in those spaces either around, okay, well, I'm a GP and I'm trying to keep all my clients staying at home longer. What kind of technology can I prescribe and recommend to help them to monitor their medication or to stay safe from falls or for their families to check on someone who's isolated at home? So I think it expands outside of kind of what I originally thought where it was going to sit, but it's just about managing that scalability and making sure that what we build has the opportunity to grow. And then for me as well, obviously I'm Australia-based, but 80% of our traffic is from the US, which is really cool. So how do we bring these global communities together to learn from each other? My big picture is around how do we foster knowledge around the world? And then how do we use that knowledge for good? How do we use that data to make big change in the space? How do we help health insurers and organizations and health services and professional bodies use that information to really direct their funding and to to get the technology into the hands of people who need it? Because our biggest challenge over here is, you know, a lot of this technology is amazing, but supremely expensive. And there's all these different funding sources and complexities in the healthcare system or in the education system. And, you know, not always can you get the tech that's needed and is going to solve the challenge into the hand of the user. And so 
that system makes everything a whole lot more complicated and is another five-hour conversation. That could be a whole episode within itself is just the yeah. issues with accessing assistive technology within the healthcare system. It's a problem here too. I've heard so many stories about people not being able to get exactly what they need because of funding and just how outrageously expensive so many things are in general. Yeah, that could, that could be a whole discussion within itself. Yeah. And in schools as well, right? I mean, you've got yeah. all these fantastic little people with all different needs and how do you harness the power of technology to, you know, really help kids excel and or to feel safe or to feel connected? You know, I think there's just so many opportunities with technology, but it can be overwhelming and it can be expensive. So how do we break that down? How do we simplify things? How do we help that decision-making process in the first place to save people time and money and hopefully to solve those challenges that help people to be independent and to do really amazing things. I could definitely see how this platform would help with that. Just based on looking it over A and B, everything you've described, I I could see how this would be a nice one-stop shop for getting a variety of perspectives and really somewhere that people could go when they need to make those decisions, which is nice. Instead of having to just scour through the internet and articles and (laughs) just random things on random websites. It's, it's a solid place to go where you know you're going to get quality advice and information. Thank you. That's hopefully the plan. And again, you know, we're early stages, we're learning and we love hearing from the community. So if anyone's out there listening and they want to reach out or they want to get involved, we're always open to a conversation about anything. So more than happy to hear lots of different opinions. I'm sure there's people that are going, oh my God, like reviews of assistive technology, how's that going to work? So we're open to, yeah, to every every perspective and, and working with all different types of people and organizations to see how we can make change in the space. And I'll make sure to link the website directly in the show notes. So if you're listening right now, you can just go right to the website if you want to check it out, or you can Google easily as well. It comes up right away. But just for convenience, they can go check it out in the show notes. But I want to thank you so much, Rebecca, for being here with us today, for talking to us all about Easily and assistive technology in general, and just the different areas of significance within the world of AT. Just thank you so much for sharing with us today. Uh, It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I could talk all day. So (laughs) (laughs) thanks for your interest in what we're doing out here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Assembling Inclusion podcast. I hope the information in this episode taught you something new, gave you a new idea, or showcased a new perspective. If you liked the episode, feel free to leave us a review or comment. If you have a recommendation for an individual or an organization who would make a great guest, you can message us on Twitter or Instagram or send us an email at assemblinginclusion at gmail.com. See you next time.